Hello, I'm R.A. Spratt. I write and perform this podcast. If you'd like to support the show, I'm a children's author, so you can buy a book by me, or you can buy me a coffee by going to buymeacoffee.com slash stories R.A. Spratt. It's an easy way to make a small thank you gift to the show so I can keep kicking this can down the road. The podcast directory you're using right now should have a link to my Buy Me A Coffee page in the show notes, or you can type it into your browser. That's buymeacoffee.com slash stories R.A. Spratt. All contributions are gratefully appreciated. Hello and welcome to Bedtime Stories with me, R.A. Spratt. Okay, so we're reading my book, The Pesky Kids 2, Bear in the Woods. And now we're up to Chapter 19, The Mayoral... (laughs) It's actually quite hard to say this chapter title. The Mayoral Proposition. There you go. Let's get into it. When the following Saturday came around, none of the pesky kids got to sleep in. Joe tried his best. At 6am he was deep in a dreamless sleep, but an incredibly loud noise was forcing its way in through his ears. Bang, bang, bang! Joe's sleep-fogged brain slowly started to register the sound, but it didn't want to. He hoped if he lay really still and ignored it, perhaps it would go away. Bang, bang, bang! Joe! called Finn from the other side of the door. Leave me alone, said Joe. His brain wasn't even awake enough to stammer yet. You gotta come, pleaded Finn. The mare is in the kitchen. Joe was suddenly wide awake. What have we done now, he asked. I don't know, said Finn, but she's being nice. It's creepy. You better come down before April realises she's here. Joe hastily put on his weekend shorts and shirt. There was no time to fix his hair. He just grabbed his baggy blue school cap and slapped it on his head while hopping over to the door and pulling on socks. Where's April, Joe asked as he yanked open the door. Take him pumpkin for a walk, said Finn. And you left Dad alone with the mare, said Joe. Loretta's there too, said Finn. Why, asked Joe. He glanced at his watch. It's six o'clock in the morning. She said she was watching our house with binoculars when she saw the mare's car pull up, explained Finn. You left Dad alone with the mare and Loretta, said Joe. He'll be terrified. We've got to rescue him. The two boys bustled downstairs. The big old-fashioned farm kitchen was cluttered, but sun streamed in through the windows, making it look warm and homey. Loretta and the immaculately dressed mare were sitting across the kitchen counter from Dad, drinking tea and eating scones. If it weren't for the fear in Dad's eyes and the embarrassingly daggy dressing gown he was still wearing, it would have looked like a picture-perfect family in an interior decorating magazine. "'Oh, boys,' said Dad. He looked relieved to see them. "'The mare is here.' "'Why?' asked Joe. "'Good question,' said Loretta, grinning mischievously as she sipped her tea. "'Because I am the mayor,' said Mayor Albright, "'it's important for me to network with prominent local citizens.' "'She brought scones,' said Dad. "'He sounded distressed about this and glanced warily at the small baked treats. "'I'm sure she hasn't poisoned them,' said Finn, "'picking up a scone and sniffing it. "'Not when there are so many witnesses.' "'Thank you, that's very nice,' Joe said to the mayor, realising that someone in the family should try and behave appropriately. He bravely picked up a scone and took a bite. He supposed there was some slim chance that the mayor was a secret collective agent and that she really had poisoned the scones, but he was a growing 16-year-old boy and he was always hungry, so he was prepared to risk it. "'I made the jam myself. It won a prize last year in the Karawong Show,' said the mayor proudly. 
What for? asked Finn. What do you mean, what for? said the mayor. It won the prize for being the best tasting jam. Finn shrugged as he climbed up onto a stool next to Dad and started spreading jam and cream on a scone. Just checking. There are some weird events at these country shows. It could have won the prize for best jam to throw at a fleeing burglar's head. No, you're thinking of the Potato Olympics, said the mayor. They're in May. We do all the throwing competitions then. We don't have any novelty events at the Currawong Show. So this is a social call, asked Loretta brightly, waggling her eyebrows suggestively at Dad. You've come specially to see Mr Pesky. I'm not surprised. He's a very sweet man. And some women are attracted to the homeless vagrant look. Dad shuddered at the thought. It was bad enough that he thought the mayor was trying to poison him, but if she wanted to date him, that was even worse. Dad just couldn't do it. For a start, the mayor was terrifying. It was a combination of her personality, her steely glare, and the intimidatingly large shoulder pads in her jacket. But in addition, dating always led to eating in restaurants. Dad was terrified of eating in restaurants. He had been ever since the horrific acts of violence that unfolded at the last meal he ate with his wife. His wife had been the horrifically violent one, incapacitating three terrorists with her bare hands and a few handy kitchen utensils. Dad needed to be brave. He stood up, his jowls quivering. Technically, I am no longer married, he said. To be strictly accurate, Dad was married, but the person he was married to was a fictional cover story, so in the eyes of the law that did make him single. But it's only been eleven years. I'm not ready to start dating again yet. Everyone stared at Dad. "'What?' said the mayor. Her brow looked like it might fold in on itself. She was so perplexed. "'I think Mr Pesky's had an entire imaginary conversation in his head that didn't involve any of us,' explained Loretta. "'Oh, right,' said the mayor, deciding to ignore Dad's outburst. "'I'll be honest. This is a sentence that always sends chills up your spine when said by a politician, because it reminds you that they thought it was perfectly normal not to be honest before this point.' Apart from sharing breakfast with your lovely family, the mess smiled a smile that did not extend all the way up to her eyes, I am actually here to confer a great honour. She looked at Dad. It is my pleasure to invite you to be the great green thumb at this year's Daffodil Festival. She beamed around the room, clearly expecting everyone to be astonished by the honour. Dad started trembling, but to give him credit, he didn't burst into tears. He took a deep breath and composed himself enough to say, You will have to explain what that entails. I don't understand. The Great Green Thumb, exclaimed the mayor. It's one of the greatest community honours in Currawong. Surely you've heard of it. It is a big deal, Loretta concurred. Dad doesn't get out much, said Finn. At the Daffodil Festival, the Great Green Thumb is the master of ceremonies, explained the mayor. He or she opens the festival and judges all the daffodil competitions. There are competitions, asked Finn. How can you have a competitive daffodil? The mayor looked like she wanted to snap at Finn, but she put on a false smile and said, There are many competitions. Tallest, biggest bloom, yellowest, most blooms in a six-inch pot, Daffodil arrangements, Ikebana-style daffodil arrangements. We always get visitors from Japan who travel all the way here just for that category. But why would you pick me, interrupted Dad. You are a world-leading horticulturalist, said the mayor. Who could be better from the magnificent daffodil blooms outside your own home? You clearly know a thing or two about it. Yeah, but aren't these local festivals usually hosted by whichever B-grade celebrity you can drag up from the city, asked Finn. Yes, agreed Loretta. It's usually some obscure soap opera actor who had the misfortune of spending a small portion of their youth growing up in the local area. The mayor definitely scowled now. 
The bass guitarist from Acid Reflux was supposed to do it, she admitted. He went to Karawong Public School for four years. But yesterday he got food poisoning and ended up in hospital on a rehydration dip. So he says he can't come now. Oh, that's ironic, said Finn. The band's called Acid Reflux and he's got Acid Reflux. Just because it's funny does not mean I appreciate hearing about it, said the mayor sourly. Suddenly, the front door banged shut and Pumpkin's hysterical yapping could be heard as he scampered through the house. Quick, said Joe, up on the bench. Huh, said the mayor. Pumpkin's scrabbling footfall could be heard getting closer. There's no time, said Joe, grabbing the mayor by the waist. Unhand me, cried the mayor Albright, whacking Joe on the head. It's for your own good, stammered Joe. Pumpkin swung around the doorframe, barking even louder when he saw the mayor. The tiny dog launched at her shins, but Joe heaved the mayor up onto the bench just in time. Oh, I see. Thank you, said the mayor, realising how close her pants had come to being savaged. Joe nodded. So heroic, said Loretta, admiringly to Joe. Finn made a gagging gesture. Then April strode in. She was so shocked to see the mayor in their kitchen, it took her brain a few seconds to process the facts. Is that Mayor Albright sitting on the kitchen bench, asked April, pointing, or have I really started seeing large, unpleasant animals? The mayor has dropped by to ask Dad to be the giant green thumb, said Finn, as he shoved another scone in his mouth. The great green thumb, corrected the mayor. Doesn't sound any less silly, observed Finn as he chewed. Is this all part of the vast conspiracy you've got operating against me, asked April. Ha, said Finn. You think anyone in town is organised enough to run a small conspiracy, let alone a vast one? Yes, I do, said April. Although given the shallow gene pool, it's probably been masterminded by an outside organisation. How else do you explain why they're all working against me to cover up the truth about the bear in the woods? Because there is no bear in the woods, said Mayor Albright, and it will be terrible for the local tourist economy if anyone hears you making those wild accusations. Stuff the economy, said April. What about the health and well-being of that poor bear? I thought she was going to say the health and well-being of the citizens of Karawong for a moment there, said Finn, but it's nice to know April's values haven't changed with the blows to her head. Probably have more credibility if you brushed your hair, said Loretta. What, said April? She glanced at her reflection in the oven door. Sure, her hair was a big tangled mess sticking out at all angles, but it always did that. It was her style. It's just a fact, said Loretta. People take well-groomed people more seriously. Look at the mayor. If she was in jeans and a t-shirt, you'd never believe her capable of holding down public office. Fifty percent of the respect she has is because she's the only woman in Currawong who wears a pantsuit. My policies are very popular, said the mayor defensively. You've been re-elected three times because seven years ago you sacked the town's one and only parking inspector, said Loretta. You've been riding that wave of popularity ever since. Politics is all about judging the public mood, said the mayor. Well, I'm in a bad mood, said April, glowering. Yes, about that, said the mayor. That brings me to the second reason for inviting myself to breakfast. The mayor rifled through her handbag and found an envelope, which she held out to April. The Municipal Council of Karawong is delighted to offer you a unique learning opportunity. We will pay all your travel expenses to go to the city for the day to take part in an archery workshop. April took the envelope and looked at it. But I'm not interested in archery. We can swap it for something else, said the mayor. Computer coding, gymnastics, dog training, perhaps? She eyed Pumpkin on the floor. He was still drooling as he stared at the mayor's shins. Are you trying to get rid of me, asked April. No, we can just tell you have an exuberant spirit, said the mayor. So we want to help you harness that energy productively. Finn looked over April's shoulder and read the letter. 
It's for tomorrow, the exact same day as the Daffodil Festival, observed Finn. The fact that it gets you out of town when it's crowded and bustling is just a bonus, said the mayor. Those noisy crowds won't be easy for you to deal with, having suffered two serious head injuries. So you're sending me to the city for some peace and quiet, asked April. Yes, said the mayor. No, said Dad. Everyone turned to look at him. The pesky kids were surprised to hear him speak and with such uncharacteristic firmness. April is not going anywhere. I won't allow it. That's not negotiable. She cannot leave Currawong. The pesky kids realised what Dad was getting at. Professor Maynard wanted them to stay in the small town where they would be safe from the collective's prying eyes. April shoved the envelope back into the mayor's handbag. Sorry, not sorry, she smirked. How rude, said the mayor, standing up. This was an instinctive move to dominate the body language of the exchange, but it was an immediate mistake. Pumpkin had been watching the mare's shins dangling out of his reach. As soon as her feet touched the ground, he leapt. Jove dived forward, but he didn't intercept Pumpkin in time. The dog's teeth were already deeply embedded in the cuff of the mare's trouser leg as Joe used his considerable body weight to yank Pumpkin away. The entire leg of the mare's trousers from the knee down tore off. The mare gasped. Everyone fell silent. Loretta was the first to speak. You really should consider getting a wool suit next time. Polyester is strong as a cloth, but the shoddy sweatshop sewing isn't very hard wearing. I'm leaving, announced the mayor in a huff. Good, muttered April. The mayor spun back. Mr Pesky, I have offered you the role of great green thumb, and despite your daughter's rudeness, I won't retract my offer. I'll see you in the gardens tomorrow. Then she stormed out. But I never said yes, said Dad in alarm. You need to be quick off the mark when you refuse to do something, said Loretta. When Daddy sees the mare coming, he just starts yelling, No, 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 until she goes away. So what now, asked Finn. Isn't it obvious, asked Loretta. The others looked at her. No, said April. If your father is going to be the great green thumb, said Loretta, which actually is a great honour in this town, you get to wear a special pin and you get to write GGT after your name, just like people who get proper awards. Well, then he can't go dressed like this. Loretta waved to indicate their father the same way the models on game shows wave at prizes. He's going to need a makeover. Finn laughed. Joe felt pity for his dad. April just felt confused. Make what over? asked Dad. You silly, said Loretta, looping her arm through his. Come with me. Nigel and I will drive you down to the salon. Then I'll see if we can get you into the day spa. You're going to need a lot of exfoliating. Dad started to panic as Loretta led him towards the door. Where's she taking me? What's going on? Don't worry, Dad, said Joe. She won't hurt you, he whispered to Loretta. You won't, will you? No, no, said Loretta. If they do want to use the hot stones, I'll make sure they aren't the heavy ones. The door slammed behind them. Should we have let her take him? asked Finn. It'll take his mind off things, said Joe. What, by traumatising him further, said April. Dad does need to get out more, said Joe. I can go with him if you think Dad's going to need someone to keep an eye on him, suggested Finn. Don't you have to report to the cat lady, asked April. Finn looked at his watch. Yeah, I've got to be there in 20 minutes. Well, I'm going back to the forest to look for the bear, announced April. You really need to rest, said Joe. He's right, said Finn. You look even worse than you did yesterday. The bruises under your eyes have evolved. It's not just purple and black anymore. There's yellow, blue and a bit of green in there. You look like a tie-dye experiment gone horribly wrong. But what about that poor bear, said April. It must be frightened out there in the woods on its own. 
Finn rolled his eyes. Next, you'll be worrying about the poor lions out there in the middle of the African savanna with nothing to eat but busloads of tourists. Well, why don't you go with Finn to see the cat lady, suggested Joe. Because I hate cats, said April, sneering at the thought. Ironically, she doesn't actually own any cats, said Finn. She's got a Noah's Ark load of weird creatures, but I didn't see a cat. Yes, plus she's supposed to be an animal wrangling expert, isn't she, said Joe. True, agreed Finn. She's got all sorts of animals out there. She's got some weird way of understanding them. She's horrible with humans, but a regular social butterfly with the animal kingdom. Sounds a bit like you, said Joe, nudging April. I am not horrible with humans, said April, stomping on Joe's foot. Joe doubled over in pain, clutching his toes. No, horrible is too nice a word for it, muttered Finn. I heard that, said April. Pumpkin, get him. Pumpkin leapt forward, delighted to do his mistress's bidding. And that is the end of the chapter, so we'll leave it there. Until next time, goodbye. <laughs>